Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me, as always, it's it's Mr. Sunday. It's Luke Holmes. Hi, Graham. How Hi, Luke. Hi. Hi, what's going on? Not much. I'm very. I'm feeling very orange this week. Orange and glad for that. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, we were recording in the aftermath of the uh, Dutch Grand Prix, one which was won by Max Verstappen in front of the Orange Army, as they, uh, I believe, they refer to the Orange Army with a J. Yep, <laughs> yes, Orange J. So. Uh, Verstappen taking uh, his home Grand Prix ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas rounding out the podium, followed home by uh, Pierre Gasly, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso in sixth, Sainz in seventh, Sergio Perez recovering from the pit lane to eighth place, Esteban Ocon finishing ninth, and Lando Norris rounding out the top ten for the points finishers. We'll get to the action from Zandvoort, but first, it's been, it, was, it was a busy week of uh, of F1 news, and the big news really coming in the week that confirmation i think of what we've kind of known and kind of speculated for a while uh, kimi raikkonen taking to social media to announce that the 2021 season was going to be his last in formula one were you ultimately surprised that this announcement came i certainly wasn't myself did you was any any shocks about it? no not really i was more surprised at the timing of anything to be honest i thought we, we, i said it last week in the podcast that it was going to be at the Monza Grand Prix, they'll announce it there and then Bottas will slot into place and they'll do it all in one go. But no, they Raikkonen did it, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night at like 7 o'clock and it, that was completely out of the blue in terms of the uh, it being of the timing. But the uh, actual announcement itself, I think everybody's... It's been overdue, I think, this season. I think Kimmy seemed to have... Uh, dropped back a little bit this season compared to last season where it was actually pretty pretty all right. Uh, according to Raikkonen, he said that the decision was taken uh, at the end of last year, slash the beginning of this year. So he kind of, so based on that, he was always entering this season to be his, to be his last. So uh, look, ultimately though, look, there's, there'll be plenty of time. And I know we'll do it for a week and after the season's over, I'm sure. There'll be plenty of time to talk about Raikkonen as you know his career, best moments, all that kind of stuff. It's it's something I'll be very excited to do. But there's another time to do that. For the moment, though, it's the first domino that needed to fall in order in order to get the rest of this chain of uh, kind of events moving that we know is coming. So Raikkonen obviously vacating one seat leaves very much the door open now for the rest to follow suit. So, and I'm talking about Valtteri Bottas to be confirmed at Alfa Romeo. That is basically a done deal, public knowledge, essentially, that that is where it's going to be happening. That, of course, will allow George Russell then to move to Mercedes. I'm sure that's how the timing of the announcements will work. They'll probably announce Bottas first and then uh, Russell then to Mercedes at some point very soon. Uh, Fred Rousseau is saying they, sh- they you know, people will know Alfa Romeo's... Uh, at least one of their lineups within there, or at least one of their drives within two weeks, I reckon. As you say, probably come sooner than that. Uh, so, in terms of then, obviously looking towards the next driver movement, uh, what are you expecting? And I guess when are you expecting it? 
I'm expecting the next one to be next week, obviously, like we just mm-hmm. said. But the one after that, I'm I'm thinking probably talking USA time. It's mm. going to be a long time because there's a lot of stuff that can go off. Someone could prove themselves, i.e. Giovinazzi, Latifi, or something could go against them. You yeah. never know. So basically... But more than likely not. Yeah, so like a lot of... Look, we've chatted chat for a while about, you know... Alex Albon and we've mentioned Nick DeVries here and there and it seems like those two are almost shoe-ins for F1 drives although DeVries is a little bit more on the uh, on the edge because I've got uh, a story from race fans uh, Toto Wolff uh, was in two is in quote two minds end quote over placing Formula E champion DeVries in Formula One so I'll uh, give the quote uh, from from Wolff again this is via uh, race fans uh, Dieter Rankin and Keith Collentine, if you uh, weren't familiar with the, who runs uh, who runs operations over there. But um, Nick is a Mercedes driver in Formula E, and he's won the Formula E World Championship and helped us to win the Constructors World Championship. And he's an extremely important member of that team, said Wolf. Uh, I admired his decision back in the day after winning the F2 title to say, I want to be a part of a works team, and that's why I'm joining Mercedes in Formula E, rather than running behind the dream in Formula 1. Now the time has come that people recognise his talent and his ability, and therefore those talks are beginning to take. And those, therefore, those talks are taking place. But for us, most important is that he stays within the family. I don't want to lose him at that stage for another Formula E championship, but I wouldn't block him for F1. So, and he goes on to say, he says Nick. So Nick has a guaranteed seat in Formula E with us, and I'm in two minds. As I said, as I said before, I wish him to be in Formula One. But I don't want to lose him from our Formula E campaign. Thoughts Ooh. on those comments from Wolf? I think that was on that came on the third of September, so that could have, that came on Friday. I did not know about this, but that's that's very interesting. So Toto's in two minds. That that's a bit of a surprise to me because I thought with what was said about Albon being a rebel driver in a Mercedes uh, supplied team in Williams was a no-no so for me that sort of says that Toto's open to the idea of Albon taking that Williams seat well the well moving on to Albon himself uh, it seemed to pick up traction of that seat seemed to pick up this week that he was actually looking towards Williams rather than maybe Alfa Romeo and at first obviously look Mercedes like Williams are powered by Mercedes, they use Mercedes gearboxes. There's a long-term agreement in place. I believe Ted Kravitz on Sky Sports mentioned possibly 2026, 25, 26 in terms of that. Sorry, uh, it's a long-term partnership anyways. So, and obviously they have had a Mercedes junior driver for, this is number season number three of uh, that running in place. And of course, Valtteri Bottas was uh, under uh, under the consultation, I believe, of Toto Wolff and his management before uh, Bottas moved to um, before he moved to Mercedes, so back in 2017. So obviously the connection there is goes back obviously for quite a while. And initially it was, we had Total Wolf saying that he wouldn't block uh, Albon moving to Williams and then uh, ended up say, basically saying that as he can move, he's free to join Williams, but uh, <laughs> he has to uh, be no longer be part of the Red Bull family. And what were your thoughts on kind of the, uh, I guess the back and forth on uh, Albon's situation, uh, which is, just getting more and more confusing. It's just petty, isn't it? He, just let him let him have his chance. At the end of the day, if he if he's backed by a Red Bull, then 
it is what it is. I don't think Toto can really argue. If Williams decides to take on the Albon as it is, then I don't think Toto can really say anything, saying that he's sh he's basically throwing Bottas out of the team. If that was me, I w if I was Toto, I'd be pushing Bottas to go to Williams to keep that good good ties with them going. But I don't know. It's a strange one. The, uh, the quote, again, I'm reading from race fans, is uh, with Albon, as I said yesterday, this is from Toto Wolf. he's a driver that deserves his seat in Formula 1, but it's tricky to have a 100% Red Bull driver on a Mercedes power unit. So, happy to work with him as long as they let him free from his Red Bull contract. And uh, again, just mentioning DeVries again, he said, so there's, uh, we are supporting Nick DeVries, obviously, and he's a talk, talk to Williams to get the seat there. So there's quite some balls in the air. And mm. uh, uh, Red Bull and Christian Horner indicated that uh, they were looking, maybe they could maybe release Albon to secure him an F1 spot next year. The quote from Horner, we want to see him race, so we'll accommodate whatever we can to ensure that he's back in a race seat next year. There's always obstacles, but he's a lad that deserves an opportunity in Formula One next year, and we're doing our best to try and help him achieve that. So, look, I know much was made of Wolf and the such in his comments, but it seems like there's a bit of give from both sides here to try and make something happen for Alba, who everyone agrees, and Wolf himself also, uh, that he is deserving of a Formula One seat. Yeah, but there is about 15 other drivers I can think of that are also deserving of an F1 seat mm. in that same regard. So, But yeah, I think he deserves a second chance, though. Out of everybody, there is a, a, a space for him to show what he can do really isn't there I could see this breaking down like this uh, look Nick DeVries I think it seems more and more likely that Williams are going to retain Latifi uh, yeah. for next year I could see a situation developing where because we know Mercedes are pulling out Formula E or at least they're at least removing the Mercedes brand from Formula E whether another operation takes place for over from them who will see but we know that next season next year they're pulling the Mercedes name from Formula E, I can't help but wonder perhaps they might leave De Vries in there, but on the guarantee essentially that he will have a Formula One race seat for the following year, which would be 2023, would be my yeah. potential thought on that. Hey, more Versity, I'm guessing, depending on how, how Versity progresses, I'm, I'm pretty positive he's going to go to F2 next season. If Versity wins, F2, which is not going to happen. I'd be very surprised if it does. And that, Lati yeah, unless Latifi like wins wins the championship or something, um, <laughs> then uh, I see Latifi getting the boot and that being a Mercedes junior seat from that point onwards and an Albon being a uh, Williams driver on his own. I do want to push back on something yeah. that Toto Wolff said about Nick DeVries. I don't really think it was DeVries' choice to not be in Formula 1. It's just that that 2019 F2 crop was just not good enough. I know Latifi made the jump from 19 to into 22 from F2 to F1, but we all know that was for financial reasons rather than the best driver making the move up. So mm. I just don't think any of that grid was good enough at that time to make the jump to F1. Uh, just, I push back on the notion that... Um, look, De Vries was, look, landed in a great spot in that Mercedes Formula E group. Yeah. But I, I don't, I disagree with the notion that he had an F1 opportunity <laughs> ahead of him. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think the that. The test really... driver, yeah, sure. So. I, I don't rate him, so. I don't know. I, I liked him in F2. I just, I wasn't mad. I don't think he's 
massively champion material. I know he won the championship uh, in a rather hollow year for F2. And the competition was not great. I would love to see what he could have done against the 2020 crop. Really would have, yeah. uh, I think, cemented his credentials a little bit more than what he did in F2 in 2019. Like, congratulations, you beat Nicholas Latifi to win an F2 championship. That is almost stick Callum I- stick 2020 Callum Eilat into that grid. And he romp. I think he romps away with that championship. And the same for, you can say the same for Sonoda. And even, I'd argue Mazepin. The top six. Yeah, pretty much. The, the cars that were fine at the front in that championship would easily walk it. All of them. So, look, does he deserve a shot? I mean, maybe. I guess. But the, the, in the same regard, I've not seen anything on Piastri at all, which is absolutely baffling. Yeah, I've got plenty of things if to say about F2 and drivers later on, for yeah, sure. If he, yeah, just 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 based on the fact that he's, if he could be a double back-to-back champion mm-hmm. and there's not even a link there or a rumour at all. That's mind-blowing to me, but sure, we'll, we'll save it for another one. Yeah, no, I've, I've, we'll bring it back up later because I, it was one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, later on, but mm-hmm. just keep things moving along. Uh, Giovinazzi obviously is under a lot of pressure too. Obviously, Raikkonen we know is on the way out. It seems to be the case that Giovinazzi is on the way out too. Uh, he did qualify P7 over the weekend. And uh, again, the qualifying has never been, really been the issue for uh, Giovinazzi. And what happened in uh, on Sunday's race wasn't really his fault as he uh, basically, uh, I think he had a good chance for 10th, didn't he? And then uh, puncture kind of derailed True. him. Yeah. By the way, that qualifying was very under the radar. He was only half a tenth off the Ferraris. Yeah. Do you know how, how good that is? In a car that's been ninth fastest all season, for well, most of the time in qualifying, in, in the race perhaps, and yeah. stuff, and qualifying, that's that's pretty good. Like, oh yeah, it was a, it's good. I just don't think it's enough to save his seat. I think that decision. Oh no, been, no, no, has been made. Yeah, he's way past his sell by day, but I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. Like that lap was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, sadly didn't result in any points but we think Giovinazzi I think is on the way out too so again it kind of it's the second uh, Alfa Romeo seat we're kind of talking about with uh, Albon or De Vries and, and this kind of thing I, I have to say it would be an odd turn of events to see De Vries in a Alfa Romeo but that's just me yeah I can't I can't see that I said that to you the other day I just I can't can't see him or Albon at Alfa Romeo to be honest yeah I don't know why it just it just doesn't I don't know. They don't. I, I don't. I see them in them them colours, and it just doesn't sit right with me. I see someone else who's already been wearing them colours in that seat a lot better. In fact, two people in them colours. Are you referring but, to? Uh... I'm I'm referring to uh, Mr. Eilot and Mr. Teo. Yeah. Uh, speaking They're of the two for me. Speaking of, uh, as much as Raikkonen announced his retirement, <laughs> Alfred Miller had to announce that he would be missing the uh, Dutch Grand Prix after testing positive for. Uh, for COVID nineteen, so our first uh, driver to drop off the uh, the grid this year with a uh, a COVID related absence it took until September. I think that's pretty decent. All things considered. Yeah. yeah. And did we say in the preseason predictions we'd get one? I think so. I um, think we said at least we did. one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this also meant that he had dinner with uh, the Williams team principal, didn't mm. he, the night before? So he also had to isolate. But because of Dutch laws, they don't have to uh, get tested. They don't have to uh, isolate, but they did anyway. It's it's very weird how it was operated from what I read. So 
And the timing of this was absolutely brutal for reserve driver Callum Ilot, who I believe is over in the States uh, getting ready for some IndyCar running. He was at Nürburgring. Oh, he's at Nürburgring. This weekend, reserving for something else, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brutal. I feel for the poor chap so badly, like in every sense. It's, he was just as deserving. Did you see what he No, what did he say? I didn't see this. He put just my luck. Yeah, honestly. And just left it at that. Honestly, that's... I, I was devastated. I saw the announcement when I woke up Saturday morning. I was like, yes, Callum's in. And then I scrolled down. And I, I think it was Chris Medland tweeted that Robert Kubica's favourite to take over the seat as he's with the team this weekend. I was like, oh, for God's sake. I don't mind Kubica, but I wanted to see what Callum could do. Yeah, it would, in have been, that car. would have been a great audition for him had he been able to step in. But I feel for the chap, I really do. We've talked about it a lot, like how he was just as deserving as Schumacher for an F1 F one seat. If not more. Yeah, arguably. I really thought he was the best driver. Uh, I think he's the. I thought he was the quickest driver in F2 last season. Again, we've, we've talked at length about the F2 season last year. And ultimately, Schumacher, obviously Schumacher deserves his spot on the grid too. But uh, like we talked about the look with that and the look that he's not doesn't seem to be in contention for the Alfa Romeo seat this year uh, next year despite having done numerous FP1 sessions and being that reserve driver and just not being there on the weekend uh when he, you know he was needed uh, I, I just yeah I, I feel for the chap he's just in a just hasn't had a lucky a lucky break has he no and uh, if anyone's deserving of that of a seat it's him like to me stuff to freeze Stuff Albon, give Callum a chance. So he just he deserves it, man. He really does. Yeah, it was. Uh, so look again with look with DeVries, as Wolf said, it could be up in the air. So maybe there's still yeah. an opening there, perhaps. I know. Seems to seems to be a little bit of chatter, and I I uh, listening to F1.com's uh, Will Buxton and uh, Lawrence Barreto discussing prior to the weekend that Guan Yu Joe seems to be in a, a kind of a another another driver emerging for that Williams uh, Williams seat as well. Yeah, he was one that I'd, I'd said a few weeks ago that he was being talked about, but we've both said, I think he goes Formula E. Yeah, I still think so. And I think he's that. I think that's his path. And then probably if something happens with Alonso, 2022, 2023, might get called up type thing to uh, Alpine. We'll never know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so probably that's what we almost, uh, almost twenty minutes, and we haven't actually touched the uh, actual Grand Prix. I don't think there's any other uh, was there any other major news from the uh, from the week that we need to discuss before we bring up the uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. No, it was just the fact that Ilot was going to be doing a race in IndyCar. That was the mm. other thing which was going into before I interrupted you. Uh, no, I, I interrupted. It was, it was me. It's okay. I interrupted you. I'm, it's always I'm you, Graham. If it's I'm not sorry. you, it's, it's uh, Mr. Kieran Trapp. <laughs> Shouts. You, you won't get that reference, guys, but yeah, <laughs> GTA sessions. Friend friend of the show. Uh, yes. anyway, let's move on to the Dutch Grand Prix, though. And we'll jump into winners and losers. I think easiest way to break down a, a Grand Prix weekend. Uh, obviously, look... Max Verstappen uh, retaking the championship lead from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, a, look, the gap at the end was 20 seconds, but I don't think that begins to reflect how closely pushed Verstappen was all weekend long. Yeah, that, that, that was bizarre. We, we say he was pushed all, long, all race long, but then Lewis came out afterwards and said... Uh, that was the biggest advantage Red Bull have had all season. It's just not I'm true. sorry, was he at Styria? <laughs> it's just not true. 
It's just not. There was times in that race where I thought to myself, oh my God, Lewis is actually going to get past here. He's closing rapidly. But no, to be fair to Max, he absolutely aced the entire weekend and even out-qualified Lewis without DRS. Hashtag eat that. <laughs> Quite a scruffy uh, Q3. Both laps of Q3 were not particularly fantastic. And obviously you mentioned the DRS uh, DRS kind of uh, fault that he had. He, that he wasn't even aware of as he was setting the lap and still improved uh, marginally yeah. over his initial uh, Q3 time, which again was... It seems like a bit of wind that kind of picked up because both cars coming out of just before they head into the second to last corner, uh, the back ends really stepping out. Uh, they had to get them under control. Seemed like the wind picked up a little bit with may have Kyle Russell as well during Q2. Yeah, it was very, very, very understeery. <laughs> let's let's say the least on uh, Verstappen's on board from what I saw on the world feed. Uh, Verstappen, though, I thought he drove an excellent race. The, I, I'd say the pressure he must have felt f1's return to the netherlands first time since 1985 i believe yeah when uh nicky lauda won his uh final race win i believe for the uh the late great yeah. nicky lauda but the amount of pressure because this has been coming for a while f1's uh, kind of return to to holland and honestly i thought he have a step and handle it so so well because the pressure i'd say must have been absolutely immense it just doesn't just doesn't show pressure, does it? Doesn't look like he is ever under pressure at all. I have not seen one slight crack ever from Max. It's it's unreal, and he's twenty three. To me, it's it's it blows my mind how he deals with stuff like that. Like the how many fans were there this weekend? Seventy thousand, I believe. And they, uh, I'd say 60, 60, at least sixty thousand of them were all. Verstappen fans, all of them. It was just pure orange everywhere. Yeah, honestly, it was just really, really impressive. He's got such a mature head on his shoulders. Obviously, he's very experienced despite being 23 years old. And how did you, what did you think of the um, the orange army? Because the atmosphere there looked, I, I can't recall. I know Silverstone has, uh, they obviously, they show out for their British drivers, but that that was <laughs> what we saw in at Zandvoort I thought was just uh, just incredible in terms of support and atmosphere they were really fired up for this as you would probably expect I think it was a level above anything we've ever seen I think so the only thing that could come comparatively close is when is obviously is would be the Tifosi at Monza basically would be the next closest thing I would imagine when Ferrari are up there and firing I, I think back to 2019 that yeah, and then for me, the other one is Perez at Mexico. Yes, I was thinking that, that too. In the stadium the section. Mm-hmm. That, in that stadium, just that stadium section, not everywhere else, but they do give him a good good back in. To say he's only one driver, and when he was in a midfield team, they, the support was unreal for Perez. But mm-hmm. I think every pundit I saw a quote from said this was the best atmosphere they'd ever experienced at any race they'd ever been to. It makes me want to go because I'm <laughs> sure bet. we're going to get another Dutch Grand Prix. I'm oh, sure definitely. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Did you? I'm pretty sure I saw a TikTok earlier on in the weekend, and it was like 8 a.m. and they were just blasting out music. <laughs> 8 a.m. and that probably didn't stop until 10, 11 o'clock at night. Probably not, given uh, they had lots of celebration. Yeah. yeah, they were just constantly. On the grid, I saw it on the grid for F3 this morning. You could hear it in the background. Saw it on the grid for uh, F1 as well. 
Unreal. They got Tiesto on the Yeah, on the, on the big man yeah. Tiesto was bopping. Yeah, he even uh, raised a raid the uh, checker flag as well, didn't he? So <laughs> the two-handed checker flag wave, <laughs> very slow. Yes. <laughs> but just going back to Verstappen uh, again, it was it was close. I thought he handled. Uh, obviously, they left Bottas out long. You obviously you, you'd figured that Mercedes with their two cars up there were going to try something. They left Bottas out long. Uh, just we know how difficult it is to overtake around Zandvoort. I thought Verstappen did a really good job handling that situation. It also actually reminded me. Do you remember when Rosberg had to get by Verstappen? Actually, funnily enough, himself uh, at twenty in uh, Abu Dhabi twenty sixteen. It's had. Little shades of that in terms of just how yeah. important that move was to make. If he didn't make that move, then uh, that's a race-ending move because no doubt Mercedes would have pit Lewis again. If they, if but if Max got stuck, and then Lewis closed up, Merck would have hundred percent pit and undercut, and then Red Bull would have uh, had to have pit again because Max wouldn't have been able to get past and make them tires long last the, the entire rest of the race. Not a chance. I'll give this to Mercedes, though. They gave it absolutely everything. They tried strategies to unrattle. Kind of, they, gave, they gave the three strategies to try and rattle Red Bull. They did the two-stop. Uh, and when most of the grid actually ended up doing the one-stop in the end. So they, they did try everything they could. Hamilton was... I don't think he was... Was he ever... Like, was he ever trailing by more than five seconds? Other than, of course, the very end. No, he they didn't go above four or five at all. They pushed them all the way. I think there's nothing they Hamilton and Mercedes. I think drove a good race. They just didn't have, they just didn't have it in the end to 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 uh, to get close enough for an overtake. And even when Hamilton did, he because he did close within DRS with Hamilton when uh, when Verstappen was trying to overtake uh, Bottas, but very quickly for Verstappen yeah pretty much like Verstappen it did come close there was a point where he kind of dipped down to like 1.2 or so 1.5 that was traffic though I believe so yeah but traffic yeah. as we kind of expected was a bit of an issue at uh, at various uh, various times race day in particular the ebbs and flow of it because um, I'm, I like for, when Hamilton came out of the pits he ended up falling about three or so seconds behind and then within the, the lap that Verstappen caught uh, Bottas I know it's different kind of traffic when it's the car in front of you fighting for a position, but uh, closed off extremely quickly. Yeah. For me, they, I don't think they could have done anything else apart from maybe put a roadblock in and <laughs> try to stop him that way. That was the only thing that was going to stop Max from winning that race, I think. He just he was faultless. And to be fair, Lewis was pretty much faultless as well. Yeah. He, he did absolutely everything. Yeah, and that's why I think Mercedes can hold their head up relatively high. I know there are some question marks about you know they uh, released uh, Hamilton into uh, some like three car lap traffic for their second undercut attempt, which just allowed Red Bull to easily respond. But look, I think they have to try something. They may as well have tried something. Uh, it it didn't work. It, I think honestly, I think they I think they played things pr- as well as they could have in their position. Hamilton gave it his all and pushed Verstappen all the way. They took the kitchen sink at them and more, didn't they? Mm. And they just didn't do a damn thing. And uh, eventually Mercedes pitted uh, Hamilton late to uh, get the fast slap, which uh, after the father Brist- uh, Bottas had uh, robbed it on him. That whole debacle was hilarious. I was, I saw Bottas go in purple sector one, then it popped up purple sector two. I was like, wait, is he actually going for it? Because that moment, Lewis has still got the fastest lap. And then it popped up, Bottas had set a new track record. I was like, wait, what? 
he's because uh, James Vowles came over the radio and was like, Bottas, we need you to uh, slow down because Lewis needs the championship point. And it, to be fair to Bottas, he did back off, but mm. he still ended up taking the fastest lap. But it was still hilarious. <laughs> do you think that's the last Valtteri, it's James kind of message we're going to get? Or do you think it'll be one nah. more for the memes in Abu Dhabi? Russia. Russia, 100%. Yeah, Bottas will be winning in Russia. Mercedes stronghold in Russia. And then uh, Bottas will be winning his first, basically winning his first race. And then James will come over the radio and be like, right, and this is very 2017 2016 2017 i want to say well, his first yeah race win. yeah we need you to move aside and let lewis through for the championship let me pass for the championship mm, i think that was 18 yes yes that was it so i reckon we'll get one for the memes in abu dhabi um valtteri it's james thank you for everything you've done over the last five five years i think we'll get one I mean, more this bitch yeah we'll get one more i think but uh look verstappen takes just to move back to verstappen he takes a three-point lead now he retakes the championship lead uh 224 and a half points over hamilton's 221 and a half points so taking back that championship lead uh, as he i think he is look yeah i think he is deserving uh i'm not yeah. sure if this is the last time the lead will change in this championship no. but uh look it's it's so so close you, you, like regardless of what side of the fence you're on with Verstappen or Hamilton uh this championship has been uh it's been a trip so far yeah that's six out of seven poles in the last seven races mm. for Verstappen and then he's not been outside the top three in qualifying ridiculous all season yeah he's been super consistent and the other thing now that he uh, did over the weekend he now moves this is win number five for him this season I believe Yes, and he's now on seventeen wins, which in that, which puts him as the driver with the most victories in F one without a world championship. He overtook Sterling Moss for that honor. He had sixteen wins. Mad. He so, also did a thousand laps led. He did. He needed nine. Was the magic number to begin Sunday, wasn't it? And he got seventy-two. Uh. Seventy, I think, with Bottas. Oh no, Bottas, Bottas, yes. But he, he got at least over sixty. <laughs> Either way, do you remember at the start of the season we kind of I brought attention to this that Verstappen's place on the all-time F1 wins. He had twelve, I believe, if five is correct, and talked about look if he wins six, seven, the kind of company he would jump himself kind of up to with the way his his trajectory. If the Red Bull giving him a car, he's got seventeen. He's seventeenth all-time in wins. Uh, this you here's a bit of F1 trivia for you, or I guess a trivia quest. Who is next on the F1 all-time wins? I'll give you a hint. It's the next number Kimmy. is twenty. Yeah, I want to say Kimmy. I don't know why, but Bugatti and Kimmy's like twenty-five. The next, mm. so this next one, this next one's twenty. Uh, retired driver, champion. His race. Our recent retirement. We're um, twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, mm. and he's a champion. He's a two-time world champion. Oh, god! Oh, he's a two-time champion. He's a two-time champion. Uh, these championships came in the nineties. Mika. Mika Hakkinen. Yeah, twenty wins. And, please, uh, please tell me he's above Jacques Villeneuve, please. <laughs> Oh yeah, Jacques Villeneuve only had eleven wins. Jacques Villeneuve only had two winning Good. seasons in F1, which is ninety six and ninety seven. Good, um, Good. 
and Raikkonen, as you uh, mentioned, is, uh, he's on 21. The, the 2018 win in the USA got him above. He is Finland's all-time <laughs> F1 winner. I'm sure that's going to change when Vortas moves to Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Where is he actually? Where is Valtteri Bottas? On he's this? only got eight, I believe. On this list, he has... Maybe even less than that. Where is he? Nine. Nine. Level with Mark Webber at the moment. So He's in a title-winning car for five years. And yeah, he's only won nine races. <sighs> yeah, that's poor. Like I know, to be fair, Rubens Barrichello's here on 11. I think he also won nine because two of them came with Braun, didn't they? Yeah. Because uh, it was yeah, Herbert yeah. who won in Luxembourg for it to get Stewart's first win. Okay. So I think, I, now I could be wrong. I believe nine of them, I think, because obviously two came with Braun, I think, in 20, or t- 2009. <laughs> Yeah, 2009, mate. Mm. So, I guess if you want... Look, that comparison is going to be there. Barrichello versus Bottas for the wingman. That can come in the future. Anyways, <laughs> let's keep things moving. Good grief. Absolute ramble city. Uh, other winners of the weekend. Uh, who have you got? I've got Fernando Alonso. Yes. I've, I've skipped over a couple there, but he was absolutely brilliant, that race. Absolutely brilliant. Completely... Boss the first lap again, even though he nearly took out Ocon. But we move. Absolutely ballsy move around the outside of the bank in, in turn three. Got himself in a great position. Sort of dropped off in the first stint. And then had a late charge to get past his uh, fellow countryman, Carlos Sainz, for uh, P6. Yeah, qualified ninth. A uh, very ballsy lap one. Could have easily given his teammate a puncture, taken them out. It was very risky stuff. That was that was on the edge from uh, yeah, Alonso. a millimetre more. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. They were, they were both out, 100%. I guess that's the... Uh, I guess that's the... I guess that's why he is Fernando Alonso. Like, he does... He just seems to know where that limit is. Uh, there was a great comment during the F3 commentary with uh, Alex Jakes and Alex Brundle about Alonso kind of looking at the the junior categories f2 f3 etc to look for lines and just he's just trying to learn more and more about possible ways he can make up places uh i thought that was hilarious too. and then obviously he went and did it in the uh in the race with the high line coming out of uh coming out of turn three before he made up another position on giovanazzi after science kind of uh, kind of squeezed him <laughs> yeah honestly that that turn three banking is is so good to watch that was very I love fun that I loved it so much. A lot better than the final corner banking. Not, I'm not really didn't do anything for me that one, but the turn three yeah. one, so good to watch. It's a great spectacle that final banking for like pictures and stuff. But yeah, for racing, that yeah that turn three banking did surprise me. Like we saw it in F three a lot, and the kind of the, the the two different lines you can kind of go through if you want to send one down the inside or. You know, no, cough, cough, Victor Martin. Yeah, we'll talk about F3 soon enough. But uh, one of the things I wrote down here was uh, lap 54, Alonso was 15 seconds behind Science. I don't know if that was the biggest the gap was, but a considerable gain. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what happened with Science. I couldn't work out. I don't know if he just struggled on them hards or the Ferrari just wasn't working or what. He just dropped like a stone. It's, yeah. It seemed like miles behind Charles. Seemed like a return to the France issues because Alonso here did softs to mediums one stop, whereas the two Ferraris did softs to hards. Did he? I thought Alonso did two stops. No, one stop is what I'm uh, seeing on the F1 classification. 
Well, mad. I only thought it was Gasly that did it. Fair enough, that's mad. Mm. Arcon did it too, to be fair to him. Yeah, he's irrelevant though. <laughs> Give him a new contract. Well, speaking of, Alonso does move back ahead of Arcon in the standings after uh, obviously the race win kind of offsetting that a bit. So 40, 46 points for Alonso to 44 for Arcon. Uh, yeah, just yes. yeah, a brilliant uh, <laughs> brilliant weekend for Alonso. P6 is more than what that car should have been capable of. Capable of. It's not where I would have placed him after practice. After qualifying, they, heck. Yeah, I honestly thought another team was going to be the third best team. Or, sorry, the fourth best team all weekend. And it was not them or Ferrari. Not a chance. Another win of the weekend here is uh, definitely Pierre Gasly. Star of the weekend for yeah, me. Yeah, very quiet star of the weekend, really. With all the attention on Red Bull and Verstappen, uh, Gasly put in a qualified P4 and was... P4 for most of that race essentially once the uh, once Leclerc had pitted of course when they had those two swapped again but it seems to be a very lonely race for Gasly but big big points for Alfa Tari 12 of them come, uh, coming from Gasly then they need all of those yeah and David Croft haven't had another brilliant moment <laughs> he said that, that that was Gasly's highest finishing position all year <laughs> I, uh, I don't think that's correct is it not? That's mad. No, I didn't Croft, even know. Crofty wrong about something? Oh, wow. Never. No, stop. I, actually, I shouldn't really say much. I've, I'm wrong all the time myself. So, <laughs> No, you never admit to being wrong, Graham. Never. Uh, never. Uh, certainly when it comes to <laughs> matters of uh, last corners at, uh, at uh, upcoming tracks. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but uh, obviously, twelve big points for Gasly. Look, uh, there are some comments he's made over the weekend about of look about the Red Bull situation. Uh, it's it's tough for him. It, he doesn't seem to be getting over it. Now he's backing the performances up, uh, but yeah, I can't help but sense a little frustration with Gasly and obviously how look he's obviously performing better than Perez has at the moment. Yeah, you would be, wouldn't you, when you're finishing P four in a mm-hmm. car that shouldn't be finishing P four, and the other drivers barely getting top tens. You'd uh, be definitely questioning the uh, why you're there and he's not type thing, wouldn't you? Because I, I definitely would be. I couldn't understand if it was like a sudden random dip in form from Perez, but it's not. It's been for quite a while since Austria, really. He's sort of really gone down down the drain. Yeah, again, Austria I don't think was really his fault, but kind of since then, no. yeah, it has been it has been difficult for Perez. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Perez uh, later later on but uh, with uh, obviously eight points coming for Alonso and two there for for Ocon Alonso's big performance really helped Alpine in that fight for uh, for for fifth place because uh, they're six points ahead of AlphaTauri at the moment it's 90 points in Alpine's favor to 84 for AlphaTauri but big big points from Alonso because those 12 points it's unfortunate for Gasly and, and uh, AlphaTauri that they Obviously, it's a one-man show, really, for them at the moment. Sonoda was nowhere, really, all weekend and was nowhere when he retired from this race as well. So it really is uh, Gasly flying that flag solo while both Alpines are in the points. And that's that might turn uh, might come pretty costly for Aftari, who, it, as Will Buxton was saying at the weekend, Franz Toss really wants this fifth place. Yeah, I think... I don't see why Sonoda's being talked about as getting a new contract. I don't, I don't understand it. He's not done anything. Cost the team more money than anything. He's probably going to cost them the, uh, a place in the Constructors' Championship. He's had probably 
two or three good races all season long. Yeah, I don't, being the first don't one. understand it. I really don't get it. He right, I know, I know it's a big step up, but he's just been nowhere. He hasn't lived up to the uh, the hype that was in F2. Like Again, we saw him in F2 last season. He was very fun, very promising. Yeah, and we was very hyped about him coming up. We said, oh, yes, he's definitely going to do. He's going to challenge Pierre. He's going to push him. Not necessarily beat him, but he's going to push him. <laughs> apart from Bahrain, not really done anything for me. I'm pretty sure you said he was going to beat Gasly. Ah, ah. Mm. Uh, I, I hate myself. We'll have to revisit. <laughs> We're definitely going to revisit those preseason well, yeah, oh, yeah, predictions. It's going to be very fun. We're going to be very embarrassed. Uh, but all my answers were right. <laughs> is what I'm going to say. Yeah, stellar stuff. Uh, who else do you have as a winner of the uh, of the weekend? There, uh, Charles. I'm going to look in Ferrari as a whole. To be fair, but why don't you start with yeah. Charles Clerk? He just it was another very similar situation to Gasly, wasn't it? He's mm. just nowhere in terms of being with anybody but he was in there put a very good performance in in qualifying fastest in uh, one of the sessions and then was where that car should be p5 p6 in front of the mclarens which is huge for them in the championship and then they got a double point scoring finish in front of both the mclarens as well so huge huge for ferrari yeah, big weekend for them. I was surprised that Gasly was able to outperform them, especially having seen like their one two. And so I know that look, there's a lot of red flags and the such. The practices were disrupted. Uh, kind of why it kind of was a surprise in the end that the race itself actually turned out to be very very clean in terms of that uh, in that regard. Because I think anything any DNF around that track and you basically have to throw a safety car to to cover it. But uh, just a really big weekend for Ferrari because even though again Gasly they may not have expected coming. Uh, both points finish and decent points finishes. I know Sainz being in seventh, you know, losing that one very late on to Alonso wasn't ideal, but that's still, that's still, I believe, 16 points that they scored on the uh, on the weekend versus McLaren's one. So, yeah, which is huge. In terms of the, con- the constructors, they're on uh, 181 and a half points to McLaren's 170. So, uh, I thought after France, I believe it was obviously Ferrari's, Ferrari's low point of the year and McLaren obviously a good double points finish. They were up by double digits as well. So this it's kind of battle has ebbed and flowed. Uh, Ferrari, yeah, this is better, I think, than they could have imagined, I think, heading into the season. Yeah, going into the Italian Grand Prix, I don't think they'd be expecting to have 180 points or whatever it was. Mm. I wouldn't have said that. I'd have said we've been lucky to go 100. Come, in, come the end of the season never mind what we're on now it was, probably should have been more if uh, Mr. Hashtag Blessed didn't win the British Grand Prix but <laughs> sure we'll roll with it yeah but a really good weekend for Ferrari and I think they're going to need it because I don't think their home Grand Prix is going to particularly play to the strengths of that car no not at all I, don't, I think McLaren will go well there based off how McLaren were in Belgium. They were very good in a straight line. So I'm expecting McLaren to be pretty much pushing Red Bull and Mercedes for uh, the top teams in that weekend. Yeah, I mean, there was chatter beforehand that this should be one of the better tracks for them, and it just never really materialised. And even the, the performance disparity was massive because only the top three... Were, were 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 they finished on the lead lap from Gasly down? Everyone was uh, was lapped. 
lap 15, I think Gasly was nearly 27, nearly 21 seconds back. Nearly had a pit stop behind, nearly a pit stop advantage at the front from Max. That's that's unreal on such a short track as well. Yeah, it's surprising. So surprising. I think on tracks where it, like there's a lot more downforce dependent, I think it really seems to expose the top teams from the rest. Because you look at Austria, I know like in, like in qualifying there was very little to to take really and just i i just couldn't think at such a short lap they'd open such an enormous gap what do you mean downforce they don't need downforces on for according to aws <laughs> is verstappen's tire still about to go <laughs> it's hard to yes tire. if you don't know what i mean there was a, a picture of an aws graphic and it said zanvolt was a low downforce track don't know what where they were looking <laughs> but everywhere i know it's a high downforce track so another another brilliant weekend from AWS. Yeah, not not particularly great. Uh, do you have any other winners of the uh, the weekend before we uh, move on to the losers of the weekend? I do not. Did you enjoy Jensen Button alongside David Croft this weekend? It's very very uh, calming I compared love... to like Rosberg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Rosberg's very informative, giving you lots of information left and right. Button's very relaxed and compliments Crofty quite well, I think. Uh, yeah, JB's fantastic. As a, a big Emma Rosberg, please. Yeah, please. I'm dying for Sky Sports to churn out some of these old, the deadwood, so to speak. So please, I, I would love to see Button in. I'd love to see Rosberg in. I'd like to see uh, definitely. I, I don't mind the rest of either, to be honest. Yeah, I like I like Paul Deresta as well. To be fair, but I Damon Hill has to go. Uh, Anthony Davids needs to go. Just focus on your Mercedes stuff, Anthony Davis, please. I don't, um, I don't mind Anthony doing the pad, the uh, the little the thing he does, little segment. Yeah, the sky pad. I don't mind him doing that. I'd rather Karun Chandler doing that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind him rotating it though. That's fine with me. Uh, just yeah. Yeah, there's some changes. Some some changes need to happen there. Uh, I think it's, I think it's time. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to happen. I don't no, think. No, I say I say unlikely not. And let's move on to the losers of the weekend. I'm not going to lump in Mercedes here because I do think they gave it everything they had. Their car was quite good. I think more competitive than I think they could have possibly... Uh, well, more competitive than I think they would have imagined it being potentially heading into this one. So I, I don't really think them as a loser. They did They did actually extend their uh, Constructors' Championship advantage to uh, it's now 12 points over over Red Bull. As I guess, do you want to start with Sergio Perez? That's what I was just going to say. Perez is the one that we need to talk about first, isn't it? Go for it. Of that. Well, it's, it's another Perez Red Bull type weekend, isn't it? He's he's sort of stuffed himself in qualifying. But to be fair, the traffic and Red Bull sort of messed him up himself and he was a bit slow on his outlap and got knocked out in Q1, which obviously puts him on the back foot straight away. Then we knew he was going to need to take a new engine anyway mm-hmm. at some point later on in the season. And Red Bull was like, right, this is the time to do it. And to be fair, he had a good race, I thought, for considering how tough it is to overtake around here. Mm. But he shouldn't have been in that position in the first place in a car that absolutely slapped the field in retrospect. Like, he should have been fourth at least. Yeah, I think so. It was... Again, like you said, I think I, I watched the onboard footage from the pit lane. They, they've been warned about this. The it was look shenanigans. Like because obviously the I don't say shenanigans because space is at premium at such a track like that. 
uh, as we kind of discussed last week, how it was going to be an issue. And so there's a lot of backing up in the pit lane to give themselves the space. And Perez kind of maybe Red Bull could have positioned him better in the queue. Perez definitely, I think, could have definitely hurried on a little bit on his outlap. So I'd say a combination of the two kind of really screwed him. And I think, yeah, logical sense to uh, take his en- take engine component to number four because they were, again, like you said, they Verstappen is less of a certainty to do that. They were at the Honda still trying to fix that power unit, but we knew that Perez was definitely going to have to take a new one because there was it was a complete write off. So PH from pit lane, not too bad, especially considering. Uh, to be fair, now like he obviously wrecked his hard compound tires. I actually think that turned out to be a blessing, or a blessing in disguise because. Because he would have been stuck behind that crowd forever. Yes, he could have gone long on hards, but I think pitching him onto mediums in that clear air allowed him just to undercut a lot of drivers he needed to, to undercut and would have uh, been stuck behind for the majority of the race. Like Lance Stroll was stuck behind Russell for basically the entirety of the race until Russell had to retire. It did not look like fun. I I think, and when once he put on those mediums, Perez was f- the fastest man on the track, got exactly what I need to get done. Yeah, he couldn't get past Mazepin on uh, hard tyres, which <laughs> said it all, really. He, he was just, you just couldn't get close enough to get past. And then as soon as he did that lock up, he was like, he was setting fastest laps. Vettel, who was like P12 before he came into his pit stop, Perez basically managed to gain the pits, gain the time back and get in front of Vettel, which, which to me was, it really opened my eyes to how much of an undercut he'd actually got stupidly quick yeah but like you say like recovery drives aren't what he Again. needs and not what red, what red bull needs and like you say it's not the first one uh thankfully for them their lead isn't too bad like it, it was a good drive for him to be fair to get some points and lessen the uh, the damage with the double podium finish for uh mercedes there and obviously the fastest lap to go with it but they're going to need more from him in these upcoming races yeah he's sort of it's reminded me of Albon. A little, yeah. Quite a lot. I don't like saying that. You know what I mean? And and that's nothing against either of them, but he's just, he's being stomped. And I honestly thought he'd be, a, I'm not saying he's going to be within three tenths of Max, but I thought, right, he's probably going to be within six tenths. And we know Perez isn't exactly great at qualifying. It's never been his forte. It's always been the race. Mm-hmm. But even in the race, he's, it's not really setting the times alight. Really, if I'm honest, he sort of seems to get stuck behind someone because of qualifying issues, and then is on a recovery drive from that point onwards. And it it just it just needs a decent race where he's just in the mix, where Red Bull can use him like Mercedes used Bottas today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big improvement there needed if Red Bull are going to contend for the constructors. Even if uh, Verstappen takes the lead of the uh, of the drivers, uh, I'm going to lead this next uh, loser of the weekend. I know there'll be others to talk about, but I want to talk about Aston Martin because yeah, they were the next one I had. Because we were talking about it not too long ago about this three way fight for P five uh, P five in the constructors between Alpine, AlphaTauri, and Aston Martin, the three A's, the triple threat, and. Vettel's disqualification in Hungary obviously kind of put them on the back foot. But this weekend, they were absolutely nowhere. You say that. In practice, they were looking all right. 
and then it got to qualifying. Obviously, Vettel got very unlucky, very unlucky with the double house block. But apart from that, they've done nothing, have they? Like it was thirteen and fourteen, I believe they fit, uh, stroll finished ahead of Vettel, who had a another mission spin now moment. Spin had, uh, yeah. Uh, 12 and 13, sorry, uh, was the because uh, Russell retired late on. Uh, he was classified was Russell, yeah. but uh, a bit, a little, I'm sure the irony was lost on uh, Lance Stroll there and all, and all that. But just another mission spin now moment for Vettel coming out of uh, out of uh, turn turn three, and but he was really he was nowhere like to, to be fair either. And Stroll, I gotta be honest, Lance Stroll's been really disappointing this year. Yeah, he's been nowhere. He's been... I, I can't remember having a good race. He's been really bad for most of this season. He had a couple of good races to start the year. And... Because he, he was outscoring Vettel. And I've got yeah. his uh, results here. So a P10 in Bahrain, a P8 in Imola. Okay, good double points there. 14th in Portugal, 11th in Spain. 8th place in Monaco. Okay, fair enough. Uh, DNF in Azerbaijan wasn't really his fault. Fair enough. They would have got points, if uh, I'm honest. He was running well, though. They both were, to be fair. Uh, a tenth yeah. in France, an eighth in Styria, thirteenth in Austria, eighth in Britain. These sound okay, but last three races, DNF in Hungary, which is a complete uh, miscalculation on his part. Yeah, on his part. Twentieth in Belgium, obviously with a terrible qualifying and grid penalty to boot, and just nowhere really. He's had a few P8 sprinkled in there, but uh, just. You were fighting. Look, we're talking about drivers fighting for fifth place here. We've got Gasly pumping in P4s. Uh, we've got Alonso with these drives getting to P6s and P7s. Ocon obviously taking a race win. You know, Vettel getting on the podium as well. These results aren't awful. They're just not good enough for what Aston Martin are trying to accomplish here. Yeah, but the irony is the rumour was going around the paddock this weekend that Vettel was going to get dropped. Because apparently Lawrence Stroll had approached Fernando Alonso. Which they ended up denying pretty hard. Yeah. But of of all drivers to to drop, Vettel's the one that gets rumoured? Yeah. Really? It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. Terrible. The bottom line is that you have Alpine on 90 points, AlphaTauri on 84. After neither car scored any points, Aston Martin on 53 points. I think that's that. And that's it, isn't I'm it? Honest. They're not getting they're not making that up unless you have a situation like Hungary. And even then, that's just to catch up. Yeah, that's not going to be maintained. So no chance. Aston Martin are going to finish more than likely seventh this year, and that is going to be an absolute failure of a season. Yeah. After finishing third last season. Fourth, fourth. last season, sorry. But should have been third, you're right. Yeah. But that, that to me, Mr. Stroll is not going to be happy. So at some There'll point, be some big changes. Right. So at what point do you say, right? Well, we've got a four-time world champion here. He's brought us one podium. Technically, brought us two. Not his fault. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that second one disappeared. And we've got our other driver who has failed to kick on from some of the promising signs he showed last year when I was like improved qualifying and a pole position in wet conditions in in Turkey. And I know Alpha Tauri have got one driver flying the flag solo there, but that's you know, Gasly has had a really no, good season. Hold. A really good season. And that's enough for them to be in contention with Alpine and their two drivers. 
Vettel can't carry Aston Martin on his own. He needs they, he needs that help, and Stroll is not giving it to him. Yeah, this is year five of Stroll. I want to say yes, year four, year five, five. And he's being pulled along by someone that we basically, I, I basically said was washed <laughs> at, That's the, right. at the uh, start of this season, and I said Stroll was going to absolutely walk it, and he's just done nothing, has he? It's, it's really bizarre. Like, okay. I, don't, I don't get it. even qualifying, mate. He's just been nowhere. Yeah, really, really bad. Like a couple of P8s sprinkled in here. Okay, four points here and there. It's it's just it's just not good enough. And I, if they haven't abandoned development on that car, they absolutely should now. Yeah, I'd just pull up and not bother turning up to rest of races. If I'm <laughs> honest, there's no point. Well, there isn't, is there? Talking about cost cap and stuff like. What are they going to achieve, achieve by turning up to these races and finishing P12, P14 and fighting with Alfa Romeo? Like, what is it? And Williams. Yeah. They're, they're just not going to do anything. They were legit outperformed by George Russell, George Russell all weekend. Yeah, they were. They, they just were. Even I would have even said Latifi would have probably got in front of Stroll if it wasn't for the crash in you know, qualifying. So yeah, I um look, we'll be there'll be end of season awards, but I'd imagine right up there for biggest, biggest disappointment will be close. Aston Martin will be right up there. They'll be, they'll be contenders in that uh, in that one, anyways. Yeah, I think they'll have their own award, if I'm honest. But yeah, <laughs> so really bad weekend for them, especially when uh, big points finishes for both AlphaTauri and Alpine. So yeah, throw that one away. It's Alpine and Alpha, uh, Alpine and AlphaTauri for fifth place, and just give the P7 money to <laughs> Aston Martin now. Yeah, put it in Mister Stroll's bank account and let him run away. Yeah, pretty much. I think he'll want to after uh, this season's said and done. So, uh, other losers of the weekend. What have you got besides the losers of the season in terms of Aston Martin now at this rate? I was gonna say Geo, but I think he's a bit harsh. Yeah, it would be because it harsh. wasn't really his fault, but he he was a loser in the sense of he probably would have got points. But yeah, the the puncher cost him in the end. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck the Hass boys into this. Yeah, that that whole debacle. Well, that that what happened with them is uh, it's getting stupid at this point now. It's it's just asking for a huge accident. This rift that's sort of built up these last couple of weekends, yeah, it's not it's not going to be good to Mister Gunter to uh, take on. To be honest, this really began not even in F one. Like these guys extend back to F two and even the other, and even beforehand as well. Like they don't get on on track. I would hazard to guess they don't get on off of it either. Nope. And they came to blows. They've come close to blows of more than a few times last year in F two. And we saw this here in F1, uh, like even in Baku, last lap, uh, Mazepin, very high speed, very aggressive defensive move against Schumacher to prevent him coming through. Mick was absolutely furious by at the time. Uh, qualifying on the uh, on the weekend, uh, it seemed like it was Mazepin's turn to go in front. And apparently yeah. the team gave Mick Schumacher permission to go ahead of him. Uh, I think Mazepin was well. Mazepin was very annoyed by this, very, very annoyed, and well, whatever squabble they were trying to get into. Uh, obviously, Vettel was caught in the crossfire with a uh, 
his flying lap. Vettel would actually handle that situation very well, to be fair. Uh, we'll give him, like, that was, he could have, he would have had every right to be absolutely furious at these back markers pissing their way, uh, pissing around at the back there over track position while he's on a flying lap. He would have had every right to go absolutely nuts. And in fact, only for his comments afterwards did neither of those two really land in hot water for that qualifying incident. I don't get why. I, don't, I honestly don't understand how they didn't get a penalty it's of a, some form. It's a spare mick, I think. I think Vettel's... Because the, the report lended, particularly lended to uh, noted uh, Vettel's kind of comments and that kind of thing as a reason, basically, why they didn't really get penalties. So they have themselves... They have Vettel to thank and apologise for for the whole situation. To be fair, I don't think... I think Vettel probably didn't want to screw Mick too much out of it, whatever, because if the, yeah. if you're deciding they're guilty, they're both guilty, essentially. Yeah, but giving them a penalty, what, what's it going to change? They're going to be P19 and P20. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they're already last, <laughs> given Latifi and Perez are from the pit lane. Uh, but <laughs> even in the race... like, So I had a feeling like, well... He's gonna absolutely he's gonna go absolutely nuts into this race was Mazepin. And sure enough, heading out of turn three, uh positioned his car in a very erratic way to force his way through uh the uh, the long run out of uh, turn three to twisty sections and then trying to defend then heading on to lap two. Uh basically damaged Schumacher's wing as he moved across, almost sent Schumacher into the pit lane. We know Mazepin is very aggressive in this regard. We saw that plenty in F2, but more specifically in Bahrain, where he basically put Djokovic into the uh, into a brake marking board on the run up to turn run up to turn four. Uh yeah, turn four. It's not turn three. It's turn four. Uh, three. Turn three, sorry. Say. Yeah, I think you are right actually. So we know awesome. he's got he's I know he's we know he's very, very aggressive. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Mazapin's standards of driving and because <laughs> we're barreling towards a like I said, a massive accident. I honestly thought he turned a corner because he's been all right the last few races. He seems to sure. have uh, turned a corner and sort of like calmed it down a little bit. And then, oh no, how wrong was I? <laughs> Suddenly someone does something to piss him off mm-hmm. and he's straight back to being the old old knobby that he, he was in F2 and decides, yeah, I'm going to be aggressive and basically force my teammate into a wall. Which, so it's a concrete wall. At the end of the day, if Mick hits that, he's probably breaking his legs mm. at the speed they were going at. So to me, if I'm Mick, I'm looking at that Alfa Romeo seat and I'm thinking, "Hey, up! If I can uh, pray, Mister, uh, persuade Mister Fred to uh, take me on, then I'm I'm getting out of there as soon as possible." Something's got to give there, and. Gunther Steiner is playing a very diplomatic game in his comments, uh, saying no one was really to blame, but. Uh, talks about how they need to hold discussions so uh, so he played down the contact as I'm, I'm reading an article on race fans I don't think it was a nasty move to be honest said uh, Steiner I looked at what? the scenario and it take, it always takes two to tango uh, I would say there is not one to be blamed on this we need to work it out be constructive we had a meeting after our engineering debrief about it we haven't come to a conclusion. Okay, uh, the plan is to meet before Monza and uh, to see what we need to do to avoid this in the future because it doesn't help anybody. I tried to explain that one, so we will work on it and we will work on it until we get it sorted. Uh, and then talk about the kind of next steps. Uh, obviously, the next step you probably imagine would be to say you guys cannot fight on track anymore, and so 
to that kind of notion Steiner continues it's not easy to bang their heads together but you have to come to some conclusions otherwise we need to put rules in place and uh, kind of yeah Schumacher really believed that um, the inc- the incident from the, the Saturday obviously led to the situation on uh, on Sunday for why he was so defensive so look I again I think there's bad blood there and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I honestly think it's, I think it's mostly instigated from Mazepin's side and Schumacher is kind of, is not going to back down to that. No, I wouldn't if I was him either. I don't, I don't see why he needs to. Like, Mazepin's just being over-aggressive. For over, for li- he's probably got a fair point to be annoyed at the team rather than Mick for allowing Mick to go in front. He should be talking to the team like an adult and sorting the situation out with them rather than taking it out and risking someone's life. That's to me is just stupid and shouldn't be allowed on track at all. Yeah. I look, we haven't heard the last of this, so and likely no. not seen the last of it. And I imagine there is one way or another one of them is going to end up in the barrier or out of the race and Yeah. Yeah, and it won't it won't be Mazapin. <laughs> Yeah, might not well, be. Let's say that. It won't be Mazepin. It'll be Mick in the barrier, 100%. So, yeah, uh, hopefully they can sort that out because, yeah, that is barreling towards something much bigger and much uglier. Like, it all, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, the, the post uh, kind of qualifying comments and such, they, you know, they weren't great. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you could, there is, there is definitely something uh, not great uh, going on there at Haas. Uh, I have another loser at the weekend. It obviously would be McLaren. I, I, want, yes. I was going to mention them first, but Aston Martin was really on my heart. So uh, <clears throat> just a really rough weekend for them. Uh, Norris, Kai and qualifying. The pace wasn't really there as it turned out. Uh, Ricardo had a better qualifying, but couldn't really do much in Q3. And almost had to abort his start. It was a very strange situation going on there for him to begin the race. But eventually took took the, uh, the start. And I yeah, ended up having to swap places with Norris after yeah, Norris went deep, but they had to swap those two. And I think Norris got close to Ocon, but couldn't uh, couldn't get anything done there in the end. But one point for McLaren coming out of that race compared to Ferrari's sixteen. So obviously they lose some pretty good footing in that constructors' battle there. Yeah, I'd say Lando had a great recovery drive after he got caught out in the red flag in uh, qualifying. Probably would have got it through to Q three. Probably in the place of Giovinazzi, but yeah, not great. And they uh, need to be pretty much matching Ferrari. That's not the kind of weekend they need. So kind of evens itself out. Ferrari had the bad weekend in France. Now McLaren have had a bad weekend mm-hmm. in Zandvoort. Sort of levels it out, doesn't it, really? And it makes it even closer, I guess, in a, in a way. And I really think it's going to be that case in Italy too for Monza, where you're, I think you're going to see a big bounce back weekend for McLaren and Ferrari. You know, it'd be lucky to get Maybe nine, ten. Yeah, yeah, possibly if you can get both cars in the points, that'd be good damage limitation. We say that Ferrari were good in in Baku. <laughs> they were very good in Baku. <sighs> yeah, but there's enough twisty parts there to kind of make up for it. We know what yeah. Monza is. Temple of Speed. Uh, straight line McGee. So. <laughs> If they could take the fight to McLaren, I would be. I would say that's a better reflection of Ferrari than it would be saying negatively of McLaren in that situation. Yeah. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, not a great weekend for them. Uh, first time Norris didn't make it through the Q3 this year. So uh, yeah, I, I have a, nice a minor blot on what has obviously been a very good season for Norris, who did eventually, he's finally conceded P3 in the standings in the, after Bottas's podium. Uh, so that's probably likely where he's going to stay. I know Perez is quite close. Perez might get him for fourth, but yeah, just... Uh, Normal weekends like that. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, the gap's not too far, to be fair. The gap between Perez and Norris is six points. Yeah. So, and then Leclerc's in in uh, sixth or fifth or whatever. Yeah, he's on 92. There's a bit of a gap further back. Um, yeah. I have one more loser at the weekend. I'm not sure if you have another, but I got Nicholas Atifi as a loser at the weekend purely from the sense of qualifying where he had a legitimate chance to finally out-qualify Russell and he was on pace to like the delta between Giovinazzi in 10th and Russell in 11th who had already retired from the session was three tenths and the TV is only one tenth down on Giovinazzi through sector one he was improving on his time and looking like he was going to finally finally out-qualify Russell and dipped the wheel on the grass and into the barrier she went. Missian Lewis is on board of that. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> it is hilarious. You've got Bono on the radio saying Latifi in five, Latifi in three, and then you just look, see Hamilton look to the left and Latifi's just sailing it off into the <laughs> barriers. <laughs> Brilliant. It's a big hit and he's obviously okay, which is the main thing, but... Yeah, just I think he was pushing like a man who knew he had a chance in that qualifying record with Russell. And yeah, yeah, a chance that went begging. Yeah, he, he was just trying to overcompensate or overperform, wasn't he? And it just went like a little bit too far and he uh, put himself on the grass. So I don't know if another chance will come for uh, Latifi to out-qualify Russell like that, but that was definitely the best one he's gotten. Imola was close, but this was a clear cut. It was on the plate. It was ready yeah. to be taken. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do Mr. Latifi and put it in the barrier. Why mm. not? So pit lane start for him in the end and P16 in the end for Latifi. So... Yeah, difficult one, but it doesn't seem like it's going to really take away from the fact that he's going. Seems like he's going to be at Williams next year. So, uh, congratulations. Year yeah, I gotta be honest. I am shocked that we're going to get a year three of the TV in F one. I'm very, very surprised. Now he has, he is improved, but I still think I he's love the, this year. To be fair, yeah, I still think he's the worst driver Please. on this grid, though. Although maybe mm. you could. I don't know how you feel about Sonoda still, but I don't know. I think he's on par with Mazepin. I don't know. Yeah, actually, he's yeah. close. Yeah, sorry. Take let me take that. Let me take that back. <laughs> yeah, Mazepin's probably got more raw talent, but Mazepin's attitude and his racecraft and stuff sort of brings him down. Whereas Latifi doesn't have that raw talent. He has daddy's his daddy's wallet, but he's actually semi decent at racing. Just doesn't know where he's going in uh, practice. Mm. <laughs> Or qualifying. Yeah, it gets in and blocks everybody. Yeah. So yeah, rough one for him. Uh, any other losers of the weekend here before we uh, move it on? No. I don't think so either. So oh God, this is gonna be the longest one of these we've ever done. Um do you want to talk some F three? Yeah, let's, we might as well. Let's we might as well it. carry on. Uh, we'll make this brief because uh, I wouldn't do this normally, but there's a race next weekend as well. So, <laughs> yeah, but the weekend after we can sort of wait after the break week, can't we? So, yeah. 
uh, F3, uh, obviously the big story heading in was Adu and Jack Doohan had really closed up on Dennis Hauger's lead. Uh, but uh, Hauger put an absolutely stonking lap to get pole position, get those extra points. Uh, just an absolutely clutch lap, uh, clutch time. Just that was a champion's pole position, I thought, from Hauger on uh, on Friday. Yeah, and Rob's our board, David Schumacher, of pole. <laughs> How dare he? How dare he? That's so bad. But yeah, he he just it was the old it was the uh, Dennis that we know can pull stuff out of his arse coming mm-hmm. back to save him that race that uh, qualifying session uh, obviously went on to take the feature race win in race 3 and dominant. yeah very comfortable I wouldn't say dominant he was very comfortable out there at least it was the biggest gap all weekend though to be fair it was 5 seconds he was gone yeah he was absolutely gone David Schumacher was definitely a bottleneck in that race 3 but to be fair Hauger is unlucky to not to leave with a bigger advantage because he was absolutely rammed out of it at, uh, in race 2 where he, had a, he was 4th wasn't he when well, he was chasing a podium when Ido Cohen uh, rear end uh, got his rear wing all over his <laughs> rear tyre and caused a puncture later on for Hauger yeah but luckily Jack dropped it yeah. in the uh, start of uh, sector 2 where Latifi dropped it and had to take the runoff so he didn't score any points either so it sort of neutralised itself it did neutralise itself but I, again we, it's very similar to the Hamilton Verstappen kind of thing in Baku Helger would have out, scored more points that even though they're even though they're both in point scoring positions Helger would have extended his lead rather than just coming away neutral so it's kind of a kind of a rough one but look ultimately with uh, with the race the feature race win and uh, Doohan finished I think he Doohan finished 6th was it 6th or so 5th Fifth for doing after Martin's penalty, uh, finished fifth in the uh, race three. So, yeah, he's now forty three points behind Hauger heading into the final round, which has been oh, oh. moved to Russia. Oh from my god! Oh my god! We were so hard to see F three at Gota, oh. and then visa issues have come in and took it away from us. So disappointing, but that means we're going to have F one, F two. And a free all racing around Sochi. So that's going to be seven races to watch in one weekend. Uh, there may have been visa <laughs> and issues. And I'm off that weekend. <laughs> there may have been visa issues, but there are also uh, the other thing in the parallel, as race fans is reporting here, is that the change means. Uh, uh, sorry, wrong uh, wrong one. Um, the Texan track was due to hold the F3 season alongside, finale alongside the United States Grand Prix on October 26th. However, F3 is changing the venue to the final round. Uh, the changing due to F1 management's need to reduce the number of staff traveling to the USA as a result of the COVID 19 restrictions. So uh, that is why it is being changed. So Russia <laughs> never too, uh, too shy to take on a little more. So, yeah, seven races around Russia. I hope you're excited. But, uh, to be fair, F2 and F3, you get some it, good stuff it there. wasn't bad. It wasn't bad last year, to be fair. Uh, Russia was all right for them. So I don't, I don't mind it in a sense. So, they put on a great race. Mm, they might, who knows? Uh, but Hauger has got the chance to secure it early enough in the weekend too. Um, he could do it All possibly by race two, I think. If he has a good race one and race two, because obviously with 30-odd points uh, being... Uh, sorry, 25 in the bit. Uh, well, sorry, it's he's fastest lap as well. I forgot. He got 31 points for race three, and that included pole and fastest lap. So it's, I believe it's, it's still twenty five, isn't it, for the uh, for the race win? So 
with a maximum of 30 odds depending on pole position and race win so yeah by the end of race one maybe like maybe race two race one you could have that done could have which i think is important probably, probably race two yeah which is it basically gives him a confidence into the weekend that he's got a little bit of a buffer mm -hmm. it's the final round he's probably he's got to majorly cock up to uh lose that championship hasn't he he's got one hand on that trophy yeah he really does uh 193 to 150 points with doing uh clement novelak moved up to third after his uh strong weekend double podium for him good weekend good weekend for novelak um martins was due to take a lot of points out of doing uh would have put himself right in the mix for p2 still but uh look he, I, I don't blame him for having a go at schumacher schumacher was desperately slow it was very very clear that Mar Martins was arguably just as fast as Hauger, possibly on the weekend. He was not quicker. I would have said he's quicker all weekend. He was very, Too very nice. quick. Was Martins and easily deserved the P two in front of him. He was behind Schumacher all race long. I don't blame him for going for it. It didn't work. Uh, Schumacher not too impressed obviously with the situation but uh, look Martins caught the penalty we apologise to Schumacher uh, he's still fourth and he's behind Novlak by five points he's level with Vesti then in in a, for that fourth place at 117 points uh, I think Novlak uh, is punching above his weight slightly <laughs> yeah in terms the, of the thing is I think I think them it's, it's literally just down to Hauger and Duan now to uh, oh, yeah. the title isn't it everyone, everyone else is out of it which yeah. is bizarre. I would not have said Hauger or, or Duan based off uh, last season. <laughs> yeah. Not a chance. But, but there you go. Um, I do think, Mar I do think in terms of uh, you know, F3, I do think it's been Hauger, Martins, Duan in that kind of order yeah. for best drivers. I, I hope Martins, even if he finishes fifth or so, I know he could he could fall down to sixth possibly because Smollier is not too far away either. Uh, 107 points in sixth place there but I do think Martins has been the best of the rest essentially after Hauger so I hope the final standings will reflect close to that even if he can't take second yeah same because I, I think he's him and Hauger have just got the raw talent mm -hmm. I think 100% so and they're definitely going to be enough to next season 100% yeah well Hauger is obviously basically uh, set yeah and, and then Alpine will, will get um, Martins in there to probably replace Piastri or Granuzzo. Yeah. For a guess. Uh, the other thing then, obviously, with the, the calendar shift, this is one thing I want to talk about. We're going to link into F2 here in this regard. Uh, the quota was due to take, is due to take place on the 22nd to the 24th of October. With the change to the calendar, all of a sudden, by the end of this month, the because uh, the Russian Grand Prix is on the 24th to 26th of September it's moved a month it's a month ahead of the US Grand Prix F3 is going to be done by the by the end of the month two weeks two three weeks yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it here's and here's the thing oh. the reason you talked about earlier like, like why, are we, why are we talking about Oscar Piastri the reason why we're not talking about Oscar Piastri is that F2 has been largely irrelevant this year because it has been so far apart. The rounds have been absolutely, it's been so spread out. It's been, it's impossible to get any momentum for anyone on this, uh, on this grid. Like I, I, I'll, I'll let you jump in in a sec, but like you had March, the end of March was in, was uh, the first round in Bahrain. Late May was round two in Monaco. And then you had, okay, you had two weeks and then Baku uh, early June, four to six of June. Then we had to wait till mid-July for Silverstone. And we've had to wait from mid-July to 
Monza next week for the next round. It's just so spread out that it's hard to... It's F3's had so much more momentum. It's been so much easier to get excited about because it's been on so much more frequently and not spread out like that. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring this up as well because I was scrolling down my Twitter. I think it was Thursday morning when I was at work and this this random girl put on... She's a big F1 fan like us and she was like, I'm so much more attached to the F3 series than I am to F2 this season purely because of how much it's been on compared to F2. Like, I, I can't I couldn't even tell you what happened in the last F2 race. Oh, uh, at all. Silverstone. Nothing happened in Silverstone, to be fair, in F2. Like, you, that's you know it. what I mean? Like, it, it's been so weird. And the rumours are that the... Um, I've seen a few rumours floating around that it's going to revert back to the old system of F2 and F3 both taking place on the same weekend and it'll just be the two race format like it was previously and I'm all for it because this new format has just not worked yeah I'm with and you it, I like having three races a weekend but at the same time do we need three races mm. I think it's a bit much if I'm honest I know yeah, yeah like I know we were skeptical about it. we kind of we weren't sure when the F2 first did this in Bahrain we thought perhaps it it was okay, but I think the more time has gone on, the and the more like how spread out this shit actually is, the more I think mm. like I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I understand why it was done for to reduce costs, but I just, I just don't really like it. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. Honestly, like I, I, I look forward to F two and F three more than F one sometimes based on the track just because it produces great racing and great action and it's a lot of fun but sometimes I sit there I'm just on my phone because sometimes it's just not I'm watching the same stuff every race pretty much it does get a bit monotonous at times and I, I really want some weeks I'm like right I want to watch F2 this weekend but I'm mm. like no it's the third race in a row third weekend in a row where we've got F3 on like why yeah I've been so much more excited about watching F F three than F two, even though F two results hold so much more in terms of like driver careers and futures in F one. Mm. Um, I I didn't care about F three last year, if I'm honest. I didn't really I, either. I watched it, but I didn't care. If I missed it, I missed it. Like I, if like if it was on at seven o'clock in the morning, mm. I was not getting up. But this year, I've been getting up every morning, yeah, every weekend to watch it. Like I can't Words. take my eyes away from F3 this year. I love it. It's been absolutely. It's been. I've loved this crop of drivers. It's been so fun watching these guys this year. Yeah. Whereas F2, I'm not really a fan of it. If I'm honest, the battery drivers just don't seem to interest me as much. Yeah. Which is bizarre. I'm, I'm with you. Like we're going to get a lot more F2 to finish here. So like obviously in Monza next week, there's going to be F2. Sochi two weeks later is going to be there's going to be F two, but then we have to wait till December again to get to Jeddah and Abu Dhabi for the finale. It's you know that's it's not, too it's spread not, out. You know it's too spread out. We've got all of the rest of September to do, like with after Sochi, all of October, all of November. There's just no way. Like this, this is what I brought up about Piastri. He should be getting, being considered for an F one seat, but because. There's been such big gaps in between. Mm -hmm. Nobody's taking any notice. Yeah, like he's on course to do 
<clears throat> excuse me, he's on course to do what Charles Leclerc did and George Russell did. Charles Leclerc is now driving a Ferrari. George Russell is about to be announced as a Mercedes driver. And what Piastri is doing at the moment, again, he hasn't won the title yet, but he's on on course to do what those guys have do are doing. And like we call Russell and Leclerc kind of, I don't want to say generational talents, but they are in many ways. Like they're at the top of their generation. Yeah, they're like they're going to be massive players in F one for the next decade plus. You would imagine. And what Piastri is doing is going completely unnoticed. A guy who won F three last year in contention immediately to win F two. These guys shouldn't be flying under the radar. Like, why are we talking about Guan Yu Joe for William seat? Like, what? Why aren't we talking about what Piastri is doing? It it, it is it does beggar belief and. Maybe the, the, we focus on it when we get back racing again, F2, but I just, it's so hard for these yeah, guys to establish. Yeah, like it, you, you have to establish no momentum, no rhythm, not only on track, but off of it too. Yeah. It's going to gonna get to Sochi. We'll all be hyped up about something. And then they'll be like, oh, well, that's it now. We'll see you in, we'll see you in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Yeah. Cool. In December. Like, it's a five point lead Piastri has over Joe. Schwartzman, Tictum, Vips are not far behind. Yeah. Which we can rule Tictum out of that because he's probably not going to be racing again. But no, that's him done now, I assume. So but, I'm interested yeah. to see what happens when we do pick this up. But yeah, it's, again, it's, it is, uh, I hope we do go back to the old format because, yeah, it just, it just worked better in every aspect. Yeah, but it's more for me to watch, but at the end of the day, I'm more pulled in as a as a viewer rather than the spread out bullshit mm. that we've got now. So, uh, yeah, there's our F2, F3 talk. I will praise F3 all the live long uh, this year because it really has delivered fantastic stuff. The only, the only real, ex- like, I mean, it's hard. To, like, there have been, obviously, there are races where, like, the two, Budapest is probably the weakest of the of the whole of the whole season so far, to be fair. The two, the race one and race two there. But otherwise, it has been an absolutely Every other one's been good. fantastic season. Even Spain had great races. And France, even, Spain. too. Spain was crazy good. So, France was brilliant. And, like, F2, like, like, yeah, Bahrain was fine. Silverstone, nothing happened. Monaco, Monaco had actually some decent moments to be for Monaco. To be fair, uh, and Baku had some decent moments, but ugh, it doesn't even compare. Yeah, I, honestly, I can't remember. Like I said, I can't even remember what happened. Who won the last race or what? Guan Yu Zhou won the last race in the F F two. Just a jog. Of course, he did. Jog the memory. Of course, but, he um, did. first uh, first feature race repeat winner of the season. Anyways, F two and F three aside, and we have our thoughts on that. Uh, we do have another race this weekend. It is the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. It is also the return of sprint qualifying back again this weekend. Oh, yeah, being I trialed. That, huh? yeah, I actually forgot until uh, not until Sunday did I actually uh, later on Sunday did I actually realized. Oh yeah, sprint qualifying is back on this uh, this weekend. So let me actually bring up the schedule. I actually need to re- refresh myself of the time. Oh. God, I've just realised I've got something on on Friday. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, so practice that one, Saturday. 10th of September, this, this obviously this coming week. Sprint qualifying then on the Friday. Practice two then, sprint on the Saturday, and obviously the race on the uh, on the Sunday, starting at two. So uh, we go from a track that is obviously very high in downforce to you're running the, 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 the least. Yeah. 
do you think this swings back to Mercedes? Do, how do Red Bull figure yeah. into it? What are your thoughts heading into the Italian Grand Prix weekend, which has always been a good hunting ground for Mercedes in the hybrid era? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's going to be a Mercedes domination again, I think. 1-2, maybe 1-3. Just, it just, it's, I don't see Red Bull going, not badly, but well around here. If you know what I mean? It's just not a track that I think will suit their car. I think they'll bounce back in Russia, but yeah, it's, it's not going to be a good one for Red Bull. Mercedes are going to lose or walk it. I really think that Red Bull package is being underestimated in a straight line. Like we talk about Belgium. Mm. I really think Red Bull would have had the measure of Mercedes at Belgium, and that's a straight line track. I know there's Sector 2 elements where it's a bit more downforce, but I, I really think Red Bull are being under undersold here as legit. I, 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 I think the opposite to you. I think they won't be walked. I think they have a great chance to do something here because that Honda package is a very strong one. It is, it is, but going off previous races where Mercedes have been absolutely OP as hell in a straight line, look, just look at Silverstone, like, that that was unreal, the straight line speed Lewis had in that race. <laughs> yeah, but that was a decision they made with their car, to be fair, because they knew Red yeah, Bull had true. downforce to, to match, or to be better, so they, I, I, I think that was a conscious set-up decision to take less wing, and arguably, a bit, you know, <laughs> given what happened, it obviously uh, paid off, but... I, I, like, I, yeah, Mercedes. I think they, sh- they should be in closer contention. I know they were in close contention in Holland, but they, in theory, they should be yeah a bit more competitive. So, will that be enough to put them to the front of the grid? Yeah, possibly. But I don't think it's going to be. I don't think they're going to have it easy. The same way Red Bull didn't really have it easy this weekend either. Yeah, true. I can, I can see that. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out because obviously. The sprint qualifying is going to be a big factor in that. Yeah, very much like, so. Yeah, if, if there's an accident, then no. Oof. We're going to have some fun. So, yeah, that will shake things up a little bit, to be fair. I guess we'll get. To, I guess we'll have a hint to the race, I suppose, based on what we see in, in sprint quality. So, I guess we can see maybe a bit of foreshadowing. Maybe we can be depressed on Saturday. Who knows? Yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to see it, so I'm going to be annoyed. Uh, God damn it. Other than the Mercedes Red Bull aspect, what else are you looking forward to on the weekend? The Tifosi. I do love seeing the passionate Italians. I do love it. They are some of the best fans in terms of uh, their passion for a a particular team. I love it. So good. So good to see. Yeah, like I'm just thinking back. I'm so glad Leclerc got to do what he did in 2019. Could you imagine if he had won on it with, with no Tafosi there a year later? Oh God, that would have been so depressing. That would have been brutal. It's, like Mick Schumacher missed out on a great moment as well because he got he obviously took uh, I think he actually took his first F2 feature race win of that season uh, in was. in Italy, and it would have been such a great moment for the Tafosi to celebrate that. The, the ones that were there watching the F2. To celebrate that, obviously, son of the greatest Ferrari driver to ever do it. Obviously, many Italian Grand Prix moments won uh, there as well. So it was a shame that that was missed out last year. So, yeah, the fact that they're back and, on again, decently competitive this year. I'm not quite sure if their package will line up for them at, uh, at Monza, but it's going to be fascinating because a lot of Monza spec upgrades and car kind of, you know, it's this is one of those circuits where there's a lot of different stuff rolled out by teams to try and get themselves in the hunt here. 
Yeah, there's a hell of a lot. Absolutely ridiculous amount of different things they can throw at. There's always going every team's gonna have some like three or four different rear wings mm-hmm. that they're gonna try. I guarantee it. So that'll be it, the um, take talk will be an interesting one. Yeah, I look forward to uh, Sam Collins' take on there, <laughs> on all that, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. What else are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Alpha Alpha Tauri versus uh, versus Alpine, especially on this track. I'm looking forward to Aston Martin's demise. Yeah. They need what something. What excuse to pull out of the bag? Hi, the, the, the low rake. We've gone the wrong way with our setup. Sebastian, get out the team. Type attitude. They need a good weekend in the worst way. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, they have to not be adventurous. I think. I think they should. I think they should be. If 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 there are some teams debating soft mediums and sprint for sprint qualifying, they should absolutely need to be the team that does soft. If everyone else is doing medium. Yeah, but they won't. No. <laughs> They just won't. Uh, any other thoughts on the Italian Grand Prix before we go to a prediction? Uh, Williams will be nowhere. I'll say that now. They will be back to being ninth best. Mm, interesting. And I don't see them. I don't see them having good straight line speed. So they, they've never really been that great in that regard. So for me, I think they'll be back behind Alpha. Oh, this is one thing I meant to ask. How many pieces of F1 news do you think will be announced this week in the build-up to the Italian Grand Prix? Because I think we're going to set for a bombshell week of announcements. You've jinxed it now, so well done. <laughs> uh, we're not going to get anything. <laughs> Based on how we said it the other week, we were expecting a load of stuff for Belgium, and we got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but realistically, I'm going to say we're going to let the Bottas to Alpha, yeah. or Bottas or even Mercedes, probably both. Um... Well, they tie into each other, Luke, you idiot. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> uh, George, possibly Albon leaving Red Bull, but not confirmed at Williams. And then Giovinazzi not being retained would be a brutal one yeah. at the Italian Grand Prix. <laughs> that would be brutal. And then maybe De Vries staying on at Formula E. Maybe. So I'm going to say six. I think, yeah, we'll definitely hear certainly Bottas announcement to Alfa Romeo home uh, as close to the home Grand Prix I know they're Swiss based but <laughs> Alfa Romeo is you know is as close as you can nobody wants a Swiss Grand Prix let's be real <laughs> the Swiss Grand Prix doesn't want the, the Swiss Grand Prix let's be real yeah um, I think we'll get that announcement at Alfa Romeo's quote home end quote um, we'll get that we'll get Russell to Mercedes announced um I think I think the Albon De Vries stuff will wait a little longer. Uh, certainly yeah. not while Giovinazzi is around. That would like I said, that would be brutal to announce that he's being replaced as home home Grand Prix. That would be absolutely rough. So I don't think we'll get that. Uh, certainly not this week. Possibly in the break between Russia. Who knows? Uh, oh, we'll get the stronger extension. I always think that's a December announcement for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's one, it's one of the only ones that's not been confirmed, but we all know it's going to happen. Yeah, I'll keep it light. I think it's just going to be those two as main pa- as, the, as the main paddock moves, and the rest will fall into place a little little later on. Uh, I, I kind of think we'll get a Latifi announcement soon as well, to be fair. 
the Mercedes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I but, mean, um, it's been floating around. I would, uh, I would, yeah. All right. Uh, I'd bet my house that uh, the Alfa Romeo and Mercedes stuff will be will be done by uh, by this that, week. Allegedly, I think I heard this on uh, Ted Kravitz's uh, paddock uh, review. It may have been somewhere else, but allegedly the Netflix crew got to see the signing of the contract. So allegedly, oh, okay. now I don't know for sure. It's that's just well, Joe, Joe Bottas uh, for Russell, yeah. Ooh, allegedly. Now I don't know if there's any truth in that, but yeah, I, I liked how they did the Perez contract announcement in the Drive to Survive. Mm. That that one was good. Checko, it's Christian. <laughs> Welcome to Red Bull. Yeah, that was good. So I imagine there'll be a big deal done for that. But yeah, I imagine that's those two will be sorted this week. So should be fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh. I can't believe how long this ran on for. It was a hectic one. Are there any final thoughts? Even, I haven't even done top five yet. <laughs> Are we doing... Oh, right. Predictions, right. Um, yes. Well, you seem to lean towards Mercedes, so what have you got? I'll go Lewis, Max, Bottas, Norris, mm-hmm. Gasly. Okay. Interesting. What about you? I will go Verstappen, Hamilton... Uh, I think Norris as well, actually, for whatever reason. And we'll say Bottas and Perez. I say I say Gasly. Perez has gone well at Monza in the past, so actually I'll swap I'll swap Gasly out for Perez. Perez in fifth. Yeah. So we'll see how they uh, how they get on with that. Um, mm. Any other final thoughts or comments before we wrap up for <laughs> for the day? No, that is it from me. Uh, we're not going to on. We're not going to ask me race rating out of 10. Oh, what is your race rating out of 10, Mr. Chapel? I was going to say six and a half. It's seven. It was all right. Yeah. Not brilliant, but not bad. I I've think... seen a lot of people on Twitter saying it was boring. I don't know what they were watching, but mm. it's all right to me. To be honest, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Same. And I count that, I'll count that as a win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was getting nothing at all. Yeah, so in terms of overtakes, good job, Zandvoort. And the Hamilton boos were not nearly as bad as I thought. To be fair, they were they were they were non-existent. There was a few, and um, uh, what I can I can never pronounce his name right. And after fear of what happened last week, I don't want to do it. Um, Vander <laughs> Vandergeed, I don't know. Vandergaard. Vandergaard, thank you. Vandergaard um, was quick to like like try and get them to stop, but. Genuinely speaking, having I really thought it was going to be worse for Hamilton, and it really wasn't that bad. I wouldn't say they were non-existent, but it could have been a lot, lot worse. It wasn't Verstappen in the wall at Silverstone type vibes. It yeah. was just the occasional, yeah, which is normal in sport. I sure, he's been booed in. He's booed a lot more in other areas that were not predominantly Verstappen fans. So I think Hamilton can get himself lucky. He did try to play crowd favor, try and pander to them. I understandably so. Yeah, said he really enjoyed it himself. To be fair, so yeah. I think the F1 Dutch fans gave a very good account for themselves, and I think F1 will be delighted yeah. to go back, and they will. Same. Yeah. Right. Any final thoughts before we uh, <laughs> put this one to bed? Can we make it three hours long? Should we talk about some other random shit? Do you know what? We're we're honestly we're halfway there. 
Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Hello. I apologize for wasting yeah. your entire Monday. I'm so sorry. But again, if you're not watching this and listening to this at one and a half times speed, uh, <laughs> you know, I have to uh, question your podcast listening priorities. <laughs> I listen to it at 0.5 speed. I could not think of anything worse. I could. <laughs> right thank you as always for joining me uh it's been it's been fun i as long as this was i really did enjoy this one to be fair so uh my name has been graham i've been jan lammers uh, wow very impressive and yeah, uh that one out of my house. yeah well done i'll give you credit for that one and uh yeah on theme as well <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh we shall see you next week goodbye <laughs>